according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter, glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, it is going to rain. And so it happened. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When I think about those who forecast the weather, meteorologists, there is one name that comes to mind, and that name is Mr. Tom Skilling. That is the correct answer to the question, who is the greatest meteorologist of all time? Obviously, it is our local meteorologist, Tom Skilling, who's been at WGN since 1978. Since 1978, he has been there to tell us how the weather is going to play out, to read the patterns of the sky and the wind, to help us know how to dress and how to pursue our days. I don't want to go too far. I don't want to say I'm a skill head, which apparently is what the ultimate fans like to call themselves. Kind of a weird name. No thanks. But I would think that for me, Tom Skilling is the like, comfort food of meteorologists, right? Like, I, I just, there's something warm and fuzzy about seeing him on the WGN News or hearing him give the forecast on the radio. For me, Tom Skilling is the purveyor of snow days from years past. The guy is, is just this elevated status. But no matter how good he might be, from time to time, he gets it wrong. He reads the signs of the sky or the winds blowing, and it doesn't quite work out the way we want, but we love him nonetheless. And it's impressive. It's impressive that he's an ac- as, is as accurate as he is because Chicago weather, for lack of a better phrase, is relatively unpredictable. And that's impressive, to say the least, but Jesus, as it turns out, is not terribly impressed. He is not impressed with those who predict the weather. In fact, Jesus wishes we spent that time on more important things, like reading the signs of the time at hand, the time of the kingdom of God's arrival. Jesus is so unimpressed, in fact, by this, that he says this, You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Which I think begs a bigger question. Does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? And I think the answer here today for Jesus is no. No one seems to care. No one seems to care what time it is, and that's the problem. We care far more about knowing whether I should be wearing shorts or long pants today than we do about the signs of God's kingdom, which is knock, knock, knocking on our door. And here we are. 
Jesus is upset about this reality. And so much so that he says, my presence is imminent. I'm already here. The signs are literally standing in front of you. A, a presence that brings with it, we're told, fire. A presence that brings division, not peace. And that's where things get interesting today. Jesus says, my presence brings division, not peace. Now, hold on a minute. I don't know about you, but I've been thinking about Christmas a little bit, mainly because, you know, Hobby Lobby's already three months ahead. And they've already got their stuff that says peace on it, you know, for Christmas. It's already out. And so Jesus, right, is saying, no, 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 I don't, I don't bring peace today. Well, actually, man, I don't know if you remember, but like the angels heralded you as the one who brings peace. In some circles, you're known as the Prince of Peace. So what gives? And what gives, I don't think, is that Jesus is just deciding in the 12th chapter of Luke's gospel to just walk away from the whole peace thing altogether. I don't, at least I hope that's not what goes on. At the end of the gospel, at the resurrection, in fact, the resurrected Lord comes and says, I give you peace. So clearly, he's not giving up on peace altogether. But what I think he is doing today is calling us to pay attention to how it is that we interpret what that peace looks like for us. How we interpret the signs of the kingdom that brings such peace. Peace, and we might be surprised at what we find at the present time. See, if we go back to the beginning, the beginning of Luke's gospel, there's this beautiful moment where Jesus' mother, Mary, sings out to the Lord the words of the Magnificat, a, a beautiful hymn that echoes throughout the ages. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God the Savior, the Lord who has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart, who has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted the lowly. If we listen to this hymn that Mary sings about the son that is to be born, the Prince of Peace himself, we'll hear that the peace that he brings doesn't sound terribly peaceful. In fact, its origins are rooted in destruction of those in power, about turning the world upside down, about confrontation with those earthly powers that rule. In other words, even from the beginning, Mary's song recognizes that when it comes to the peace that her son brings, peace is not the lack of conflict in the world, but instead, sometimes peace comes out of the conflict of the world. Certainly the case is people come crashing down from their thrones. Jesus' purpose today, I don't believe, is suddenly to leave peace out of the picture, to come and divide households. Jesus' purpose today is to remind us that sometimes peace comes through struggle and that the outcome of his mission, which is peace, may not be peaceful along the way. Jesus' divine peace plan, you see, is difficult because what it is is it's an upheaval of the status quo. And those who benefit in society from the status quo probably aren't going to peacefully let go of that. Why? Because they're going to lose something in the process. And Jesus knows this. Mary sings about it and Jesus experiences it. Think about all the times where Jesus runs into conflict as he does that work of turning the status quo on its head. At this time, the work of peace looks rather divisive. But in God's time, that divisiveness is what peace will bring. And this is the key. It'll lead to that time of peace. But Jesus is saying in the meantime, it's going to be hard. 
And so let's take a step back, right? Jesus, for lack of a better phrase, is, is a bit frustrated today, just put it nicely. I mean, he calls them all hypocrites at the beginning, and he's calling them that because he's upset that they, they would rather watch the radar than watch the signs of God's kingdom coming around them. So let's take a moment and let's, let's kind of play that out a little bit, right? Let's talk a little bit about the signs of the weather and the signs of God's kingdom therein. Let's talk about climate change, okay? It's a topic that we hear a lot about. In this last week, I, I read this wonderful article entitled, Poverty and Climate Change Are Inextricably Linked. What's interesting is this article makes that very argument. And the first person quoted is Pope Francis himself. Pope Francis, who says, it is really quite an abomination that we as a society have not taken more steps to get out in front of the climate change that is unfolding around us, saying it is a brutal act of injustice toward the poor. And as the article goes on, it explains further why this is an act of injustice. Someone else says, the world's poorest communities often live on the most fragile land and are often politically, socially, and economically marginalized, making them especially vulnerable to the impacts of climate change. People who have little have the most to lose in this economy and the least to gain. And the struggle is real. It's estimated that by 2030, if we don't do anything to curb the effects and impacts of climate change, 100 million people in developing countries will fall into poverty as a direct or indirect result of the impacts of climate change. This, you see, this is a social and economic issue, right? We see the signs all around us in the erratic and extreme weather unfolding. And yet, we're not necessarily moved to do anything about it. The clearest solution seems to be toppling over these systems of, of dependence on fossil fuels, right? To, to walk away from it, which seems really easy. But think about how dependent we are on these things. So dependent that I'll happily pay $6 for a gallon of gas if I have to. We are so dependent on these systems that it's almost impossible for us to even think of what it looks like to topple the system over compounded by the fact that those who stand to benefit the most from the systems, those who are at the top, are making record profits in the meantime. Do you think those people are going to happily move along with change? Are going to want to divest what they have? See the status quo that, it, that has put them in these positions of great power and influence suddenly toppled over? No. It's obvious it will lead to conflict. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't have those conversations do that hard work. This kind of change isn't simple and it won't necessarily be peaceful. Striving for peace isn't always peaceful. We see this across the board. Think about all the movements for justice and peace in our world in maybe the last few years, right? Social and economic, political and racial. Every time we see a need for justice in the world, there's always been pushback. There's always another side that says, yeah, what if? Or what do I have here? Or what am I going to lose? So we see this clashing happens, but it doesn't mean we don't strive for the peace nonetheless. Peace, you see here today, begins with a heart ready for open and honest conversation. And that's hard to do, but I don't think Jesus gets any more honest than he does today. 
He's pretty blunt in his words. He's pretty straightforward with the disciples and their unwillingness to see and read the signs that really matter. But it's not just an openness to those difficult conversations. It also requires an openness and willingness to change as a result of those conversations. And that sometimes is where we struggle with peace. We get the idea, but we don't like what it means for us. Jesus today is saying, read the signs because change is at our door. You don't have to be Tom Skilling to see the need for change, to read the patterns. They're right there in front of us on so many levels for so many reasons. And it gets us back to that question, does anyone even care? And I think that's what Jesus is saying. It's all around you. You guys see it. But do we care? Which is why I appreciate our first reading today, which says that sometimes God's word is like a hammer smashes us on the head and breaks us into pieces so that God can build us back up once more, piece by piece. Because here's the reminder today. Jesus did not come to bring peace through status quo. Jesus instead offers a peace that comes as a consequence of smashing it. And if we're willing to accept that reality, that our world will be turned upside down by the peace that Christ brings, then we will be willing to do the hard work of conflict in the meantime, of fighting for what's right, of standing up for those who've been marginalized, to be advocates for those who don't have voices. That is our challenge. And that is our work. And it's work that has been going on for, well, 2,000 years at this point. But hopefully... We will see the sign of God's kingdom around us enough to strive and do those difficult things in the meantime. Thanks be to God. Amen.